Hello, and welcome to ChickFlix. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about the 1973 film, The Exorcist. But first, let's catch up. Bridget, you go first. What are you into? Okay. Mackenzie, are you also reading The Rabbit Hutch by Tess Gundy? I already read it. So we you already read discuss. it. Okay, I saw you reading it on Goodreads, and I was like, "Oh, Mackenzie's reading this," and I meant to text you about it last week. I'm like seventy percent done, I think. Um, it is the Rabbit Hutch by Tess Gunty. I think it's her debut novel. Um, I would describe it as a very ambitious novel mm-hmm. where it's trying to do like multiple things at once mm-hmm. theoretically it's about the inhabitants of this apartment building that's known as the rabbit hunch but it's actually like this long french name in a dying midwestern city in indiana and it specifically follows this character named blandine who is a young woman freshly out of the foster care system who is obsessed with female christian mystics And then it kind of delves into other stories of people who live in the apartment building, which makes it sound like very like the 10 people you meet or whatever. But it's a much weirder novel than that, I think. Yeah. And there's other digressions into this character who's the son of like a Shirley Temple-like figure who's like very bitter and weird. And it's all, this is like not a spoiler, but it's like all leading up to like a violent act. Mm-hmm. And I think I like it. I'm like, the jury is still kind of out a little bit. Sometimes I feel like it's a little overwritten. I don't know. How did you feel about it? I feel the same way. I mean, I did, I think I liked it overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like super, uh, it's super dark, I would say. And mm. it doesn't really have, to me, Mm-hmm. much of like a silver lining or a wow yeah it doesn't have i don't think if it it, it, it doesn't reveal much like hope at least to me <laughs> it it's sort of like it like wallows yeah. in the badness of people and th- and that's sort of it um, yes i absolutely agree I also kind of think the main character is like a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl, which feels like reductive to say sometimes, but like she's like a very beautiful, like everyone thinks she's super beautiful and cool. And she's like, I'm into Christian mystics. Yeah. 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 I get, I get that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, It did. Didn't it just win something too? I think so. It's on a lot of like end of year lists and stuff. I'm glad I'm reading it. I am enjoying it. And it does feel like, I'm excited to read it every time I pick up or like it keeps my interest. Yeah. The time. yeah. It's just an interesting book to think more about. Totally. I agree. Um, the other thing I'm into recently is uh, White Lotus season two, which sees the TV show go to Italy with a whole new cast, save for Jennifer Coolidge. I enjoyed White Lotus season one, but I feel like I really love this season. Uh, I just love a murder mystery. I say this all the time, and I've probably said it on the show a bunch of times, but I just wish that HBO Max would come out with one murder mystery per quarter, like for us all to get into and be like, who's going to die? I love that. Be it your mayor of Easttown, you know, I just need this going on in my life <laughs> i i like totally agree and i have to say as something that i am decidedly not into mm-hmm. sorry that, for this tangent but okay. i should just warn people off of this other murder mystery show called ooh, inside ooh. man oh i think it's on netflix 
Mm-hmm. And it stars David Tennant and Stanley Tucci. And it oh. is just fucking terrible. And it's a murder mystery. And you're like, a murder mystery with Stanley Tucci? Yeah, fuck yeah, sign me up. Love it. Uh, no, it's really, it's so bad. It is, I don't know how, like, maybe just watch the first episode to understand how bad it is and, like, laugh at it. But wow. it's not going to hit that murder mystery stuff that we all want and need. And that's like White Lotus season two. So I'll have to watch that instead. And obviously the other like appeal of White Lotus, it's kind of like similar to Succession where it's like this escapism where you're seeing rich people in beautiful locations, but they're also miserable. So you're kind of like gratified by that, Mm -hmm. Um, which is another corner that HBO, a market that HBO has cornered, I feel. Um, I'm particularly really enjoying Aubrey Plaza's turn in this season as a lawyer named Harper who's on vacation with her husband and another couple. Um, but Jennifer Coolidge is also always a delight. It's just one of those shows, too, where there's so many like recognizable good actors that it feels like you're hanging out with people you're familiar with. Um, and they kind of like are cast in accordance with like their public perception, like Michael mm-hmm. Imperioli, mm-hmm. who played Christopher in The Sopranos, is in this season. Um, as part of a like intergenerational Italian American trip to Italy. And, you know, like there's a scene where he and his son and his father have a discussion about the impact of mafia movies on like men. And it's like, he's Christopher. That's so cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. And I wish, I wish I could just like binge all of them at once. Okay. <sighs> and the last thing I'm into recently is the new Wiseblood album, And In the Darkness, Hearts Aglow, her previous album, her 2017 album, Titanic Rising, was like my favorite album of that year. And I was obsessed with it and saw her in concert. And she was one of the best live performances I've ever seen. So I was really excited that she has another album coming out. And I've heard her in interviews kind of say that her first that first album, Titanic Rising, was part of like an informal trio of albums she's doing, kind of about like a apocalyptic event where... Um, this album, this most recent album is kind of like, okay, it's already happened. Like what now? That's cool. Um, which is like an interesting way to think of her music. Yeah. Um, and she's just, she's just got such an amazing voice and I love listening to her music. That's awesome. I love yeah. when uh, artists inject like fiction into yeah. unexpected. Totally. Places, I guess. Yeah. Um, I love a concept album. Yeah. What about you, Mackenzie? What are you into recently? Well, keeping it going with murder mysteries, I did see Glass Onion in theaters this past weekend. Um, And, you know, Ryan Johnson, it's his Mm. second Knives Out whodunit. um, And it stars, you know, a knockout cast. It has... uh, uh, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Janelle Monet, of course, um, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, who is the like detective character in the series, like mm-hmm. now series, um, and so many other people that are great. Um, and Ryan Johnson is like one of my favorite filmmakers if only because i love the brothers bloom it's like one of my favorite movies yes. um and i i do really love brick too um uh and i think it was really impressive um for like his debut film um and i don't enjoy his other movies as much and knives out is included in that but this is a genre of film like 
you know, the murder mysteries on HBO. Like, I am very happy that it's being produced to this scale and with this yeah. like, care and attention and with this so many people that are invested in making it very cool. <laughs> um, so I hope, you know, the Benoit Blanc universe continues to expand like exponentially. I think that's just, so cool too. It, it's so fun and it's such a spectacle and um, Benoit, the bet character of Benoit Blanc, I think in this one gets a little bit, you learn more about him. He, he doesn't seem uh, as mysterious as he did in Knives mm. Out. Um, obviously because this is his second movie. So it does seem like he plays almost a sillier character in a little bit. Like I think that in Knives Out, everyone loved the like donut hole (laughs) speech at the very end. And I think this sort of leans into that side of this character. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really fun and cute. And I do actually, I thought Janelle Monae's performance was super fun. And she sort of plays the counterpart of Anna Darmus's character in mm. the first movie. I guess that's a little bit of a spoiler. Fuck. Um, Mackenzie. Whatever. <laughs> uh, sh- whatever. Uh, so that's Glass Onion. It's fun. <laughs> I liked it. Um, the other uh, sort of murdery movie that I saw uh, this past weekend was The Menu starring yes. Ralph Fiennes and Anya T- Taylor-Joy. Um, I did not expect this movie to be so heavily a mm. comedy, but it was like, I knew it was satire, but I didn't think it would lean so far into comedy and like ridiculous comedy. Mm-hmm. And it strayed very far from horror. I would say Ooh. I, I, I was never scared never shocked, but I was like surprised by how much I mm-hmm. laughed. Oh. Um, It was just a lot of fun, and it was definitely like a, I don't know, I forget if I used this word when I was describing Glass Onion, but it was definitely a spectacle. Mm. And I really enjoyed it, so I recommend that as well. Maybe not in theaters, but definitely whenever it's streaming, I recommend it. Nice. The third and most important thing that I am into is the show on Netflix called Half Bad, The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself. And please, I implore everyone, go watch this show and watch the entire season so that it gets renewed for a second season because this is the best, one of the best shows I've watched in a very, very long time. I haven't even heard of it. I know. I'm sad. I hope I hope it doesn't get canceled. I'm so scared. (laughs) I know. Netflix giveth and Netflix taketh away. It's a, like, YA fantasy show which I will often throw those types of shows on and expect very little from them because they're often really bad. (laughs) Um, But I would say that if you're a fan of the magicians, you'll, which is a sci-fi show that I really like, um, you'll really love half bad. Uh, Half bad is about, two warring factions of witches, the Fairborns and the Bloods, and it follows the char- a character named Nathan, whose father is a blood witch, who are like mm. the bad witches. Um, and his dad was known to have massacred a group of Fairborns at a peace talk. Nathan's mother was a Fairborn, but he was raised by his grandmother after his mother died. Um, and when he, 
as he becomes like a teenager, he's like constantly being like given these tests to see if he's mm-hmm. actually a blood witch and actually like quote unquote bad. Um, when witches turn 17, they get these really cool powers like could be like invisibility or shapeshifting Whoa, or cool. fire. Or, and so that's like, I feel like that's like an exciting element about it. The, the powers are all really well like portrayed i would say like they're really cool to look at but the characters are incredible the performances are so good the writing is so good the uh, direction so good camera work so good soundtrack so good it is so good the the, all of the characters feel so lived in they all have incredible chemistry i and one of my favorite parts i would say one of my favorite parts if i'm comparing it to the magicians is that all the characters, like I said, feel super lived in and they, the actors mm. sort of grow into their characters as seasons go on. So it seems like every season gets better and better. How I feel many like seasons you get are there? That with, with the magicians, I don't know. I think there's oh, like seven okay. or something. I meant, I meant of this show. Yeah. With Half Bad, it's just the first season so oh, far. Okay, okay, okay. It just came out in October. I, I really, really hope it gets renewed because it really oh. is like such a gem of a show. I, it's so good. And, I think that you get that level of feeling like the characters are all actual, like mm. living. They're just written so well. Like immediately, you get that. I think. I think. I just cannot say enough good things about this show. I love it so much. That's awesome. I watched it all in one you. night. Wow. I. It was just so good, and I. I really. Ugh, I. That's why everyone should watch it. You heard her, people. <laughs> we all have Netflix subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched it twice, actually, because I watched it again with Kether. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I really recommend it. All right. With is that. it time for us to jump into our very spooky movie? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So today we're talking about The Exorcist from 1973. Um, Mackenzie, what is this movie about? This movie is... You're putting me on the spot here. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is about a 12-year-old? 13-year-old? Yeah, I think she's 12. Okay. Girl who uh, whose mother is a... She's a single mom. She's an actress. They mm-hmm. live in D.C. Um, the girl gets uh, possessed by the devil. Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Yeah. Or Captain Howdy. Captain uh, Howdy. Even I, more like nefarious sounds. Yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, and her mother recruits a, after being, you know, after going to doctors, etc. Mm. Actually, the doctors recommend that she get the exorcist. Yeah, it's kind of the craziest scene in the movie. <laughs> she uh, she recruits an exorcist the Catholic, from the Catholic Church to assist her in exercising her daughter, uh from the demon that is possessing her. I've never really thought about it, but the movie, like the titular character is Father Carraras. Yes. Right? Well, and I mean, I guess the other one too. Yeah, the other one too. Um, And probably more so him because he, so the movie begins, I've never seen this movie before, by the way. Uh This, we're in a a series where we're fulfilling my blind spots. So, (laughs) First was Dracula, Chick Flicks does the oldies. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for what it comes next. But this movie begins in where do you know where? 
Uh, Iraq. Okay. This movie begins in Iraq, and it follows this older priest. Yes. Who's played by Max von Sydow. I don't know if that's Father how you say his name. Lancaster Marin. And he's only 43 in the movie. Yes. But he looks like he's like 80. They aged him up strange. 30 years, which is confusing because I feel like we're familiar with him as an older man. Yeah. yeah so I was totally. like, he's just looked like that for exactly. and like 50 years. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's extremely yeah. convincing. Um, mm-hmm. And he is like digging up some artifact that is never referenced again, but... I think you're not really right. Like it is. It is. It's like that little coin he the the coin he finds that they like pass along later in the movie. It is kind of like difficult to follow. But is it like part of the demon? It's something I was thinking about this movie. Is it? It's so clearly based on a book. It's based on a novel by William Peter Blatty, who also wrote the screenplay for the movie, and. I feel like you get this sense throughout the film, like, I would understand this a little more if I read the book, you know, like the this opening scene, and then like kind of like the through line of the both the Pazuzu, like the little demon sculpture and the coin would like kind of have I'm sure they explained it better in the book. Yeah, I guess I didn't understand that there was any connection between the what the priest dug up in yes. Iraq. And yes. And then the coin is later found in Reagan's bed. But it is very difficult to kind of follow in the movie. And I feel like there's a few other things in the film that I'm like, they serve as very, like, I think, uh, necessary and effective, like, world building or, like, set dressing. But you I, you have the sense that in the book it would be expanded upon. And a good example of that is the housekeeper who's a Nazi. yeah. Um, you know, like that's like a one-off scene where the um, Ellen Burstyn is that how you pronounce her name? Because that's a cool name. What is it? Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> um, she's bursting into this movie. Uh, she's having a house party, and her director friend Burke accuses her housekeeper of being a former Nazi. And it's just like a an interesting little dash of flavor, I guess, I guess in this movie. <laughs> But you have the sense that if I read the book, I'm sure there would be a little more information about that. Yeah, Um, I feel like that's, I feel like there were a few things like that where it just seemed like there wasn't enough time mm -hmm. maybe for the entire like plot to be fleshed out. Because I think another thing that doesn't Mm -hmm. really fit into the plot, I mean, there are a few things. So one one of them is there are, random noises in the attic uh mm-hmm. which is never really connected just like with. general spookiness yeah it just general about- it's just yeah it's just general mm-hmm. sp- spookiness it's never connected to the actual like demon possessing mm-hmm. reagan and mm-hmm. the core like horror of the movie takes place in just reagan's bedroom right yes which i think limits the potential of scariness of the movie at least for me because you're like if you leave you can that just room, leave the room like, and leave fine. Reagan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that it was sort of just throwing in some stuff that humans are afraid of, like yeah, noises in the attic, right? And I think yeah. that I I kind of liked it. You know, I mm-hmm. think now it's atmospheric, exactly atmospheric in a way that I think some movies nowadays are. The uh, the the horror is so like tightly 
woven Plotted. into the plot. Yeah, yeah. That so true. The, the atmosphere can sometimes not be quite as mm. fun. <laughs> yes, it's quite like foreboding for that reason too. Um, like a, I think another good instance is the plot that's kind of like abandoned, but I'm sure is also covered in the book of the churches being desecrated. Mm. Remember that scene where the one uh, statue has like yes. the dick and yeah. boobs and they're like, the Catholic church is under attack. Yeah. Um, I think if this movie was made today or like released exactly as is, people would be like, this is an elevated horror film. And they would say that because this is like an A24 movie. <laughs> and they would say that because it's like, it takes maybe almost a full hour for things to get really bad with Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, it really takes its time. You get to know Ellen Burstyn as Chris, the mom, and Reagan, and they're kind of like little social community around them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're like real characters by the time things start going really badly in the yeah. house. Um, and, and the priest, I would say. And the, the priest, too. Father yeah. Taurus. Absolutely. And so you get that real sense of these characters and then like you were saying there's not really a reliance on jump scares in the way that like a lot of modern horror movies are like saturated with them this one is more like just it's just about like kind of plainly disturbing you um so i think that's one of the reasons why it became so infamous is linda blair as Regan and her performance yes um and i think like i th- one of the 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 priests say or like the priests at mm. one part of the movie they're like both have it like talking about the exorcism they're taking a break basically in the hallway yeah. <laughs> outside of this room and Karas, who is the younger original hot, the priest, hot priest i have to say yes former former professional boxer turned psychiatrist turned priest what can Father you do Karras. <laughs> says why this girl it makes no yeah. sense and the older one says i think to make us despair to see ourselves yeah. as animal and ugly and to reject the possibility that god could love us yeah which also to me seems a little bit like selfish or something that he's like it's about it's a them. message for me yes <laughs> like, it's a message yes. for us <laughs> it's not well, like, about reagan being possessed. yes it's like yes a message yes Yes, and in a weird way, that's like kind of the perspective of the film, too. Yeah. Um, so let's get into talking about, like, Reagan. Mm-hmm. She's played by Linda Blair. They apparently had a trouble, a ton of trouble finding, like, a suitable 12-year-old to take on this role, which you can see why when you watch the movie. <laughs> and so they were looking for older actresses, like a 16-year-old who looked 12. But then I think Linda Blair is actually, like, 12 and 13 mm-hmm. in this film. Um, and they had... Um, like a double named Ellen Dietz who was swapped in for some of the more disturbing scenes, which we'll get into, but they include like Reagan, like masturbating and like doing some crazy stuff, (laughs) Uh, which I thought was like kind of a funny, like, uh, like, mm, I almost just tried to invent the word metaphor. I was like, it was like a meta (laughs) metaphor. Um, That it's like, so Reagan's like on the cusp of puberty and basically to show her being possessed by a demon, they would use the body of a teen girl, you know, like mm-hmm. a 17 year old. Like it was yeah, like her yeah. innocent child body. And then it's like when the demon's around, she's a 17 year old. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I and, was surprised at how like just like mm, talking about the masturbating, I guess, really quick. Yeah. I mm. since it wasn't the first time I've seen this movie, I did not yeah. expect that. 
at all. Like I didn't know yeah. that was happening. The only thing I guess I really knew about or to expect was like the vomiting. Yeah. And I was shocked at how sexual it got. I didn't realize it was going to she as she basically is like stabbing her crotch with a yeah. cross, a crucifix yeah. and at, and like shoving her mom's face in her in her vagina. Yeah, saying your mother sucks dicks in hell. Yeah, and lick it. And lick it. This is going to be an explicit episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's funny, too, uh, reading about the background of the movie. Apparently, the director, who I don't know if we mentioned yet, William Friedkin, um, apparently consulted with many priests. And I'm trying to find where I have it in the notes, but apparently he talked to one priest who was like, no, 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 no. She has to be even more profane. She yeah. has to say even more disgusting things. Like, her curses should be really bad, which I just love the idea of this priest being like, the devil says some dirty words, <laughs> and you need to represent it on screen. Bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So maybe a priest was responsible for your mother d- sucks dicks in hell. They- <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe that came from a priest. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like, did he see an exorcism and this actually happen, or is he just, like, expressing some consciously his own yes like exactly about that yeah like the devil thinks this and the devil has made me think about it so this movie had a lot of uh do we want to talk about any other performances before we move on father karis no he's you know he's broody yeah he's kind of one note kind of broody yeah yeah i would say so i think like they set i feel like they set him up to be they set both of the priests up to be sort of all po- like I feel like in a lot of horror movies you like often end up clinging to one character that you think you feel like safe with. Yeah. And I don't think they deliver on that feeling. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> even That's even true. Tw- at the very end I feel like there is no winning yeah. with with Pazuzu. <laughs> yeah, there really isn't. um and it's funny like to jump into some of the religion stuff i think you can really argue that this movie is very pro-catholic it's basically about like demons are real and priests are kind of like superheroes that can save you from a demon but at Mm -hmm. the same time they do not successfully exercise Reagan, the demon just jumps to Father Karras. Yes. Like, they do fail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think... I think... Um, it's... 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 I don't know. Catholicism... And just, like, religion in general, I think, is just so interesting to draw weird narratives from. Yeah. Because... I think that... If as a as a formerly Christian person, I feel like I could say this. I feel like a lot of Christians can think of themselves as only the good side of Christianity, but really you can't have one without the other. And I think that when it's told in horror when Christianity mm. is referenced in horror, it does reveal like the bad side of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Which I think is is cool. I don't know. Yeah. They're two sides of the same coin, and you get that. And like, kind of like in the witch, I feel like 
Like you can't have the God without the devil. You can't have the devil without That's God. a very good point. I like <laughs> I like how you phrase that. Friedkin, who has been talking about this movie now, I guess, for fifty years. Yeah. So like you can pretty much find him saying like a ton of different shit about the movie <laughs> and kind of about his own theology. So it's like depending on the time period, yeah. like he thinks different things. I did find this quote from him where he said, I made the film with a strong belief in the veracity of the material and its deeper meaning. But I made it with the sense that if the world is ugly and violent and ultimately destructive, controlled by demons, you can get that out of The Exorcist, absolutely. On the other hand, if you believe there is a force for good that often but not always is able to push back against the forces of evil, you can get that from The Exorcist as well. And that was my original intention. It also sounds like he was kind of a canny marketer of this film. He had a priest come to set every day, supposedly, to bless the set, um, which I feel like is just something you would do just so people would talk about that part hmm. in making this movie. Um, he said that many uh, church officials supported The Exorcist at the time. Others say it was a more mixed response. Um he said most of the people at the highest levels of the church accepted it totally because the Roman ritual of exorcism is still in the New Testament. Um so he claims that some officials later told him they credited the film for inspiring new applicants. Um, and he was later just recently invited to film a real exorcism a couple years ago. And he made like a documentary about it. Oh, I would love to watch that. Yeah. I bet it's spooky as fuck. Yeah. Um, I think this movie, I think a lot of people draw parallels to Reagan being not parallels, but point out, you know, that Reagan's like a girl on the cusp of puberty she lives with her mom, who's, like, financially independent. And they kind of have, like, a bohemian lifestyle. Like, um, the mom is a movie star, and they have parties, and mm -hmm. lots of people come over. And Reagan doesn't have a father figure. He's, like, absent. Um, so I think there's, like, obviously, like, a gender dynamic in this film that's unavoidable. Totally. <laughs> I was also, like, rewatching the beginning a couple hours ago. And the stuff, like... The source of the demon is basically a non-Western country, you know? Yeah. I guess I didn't pick up on that because I didn't <laughs> real, realize they were connected. Like, the but... demon comes from the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> Which so did Christianity, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's funny talking, about, I guess, about like the gendered aspect yeah. uh, that this was actually originally based about based on a book that was based on a case about yes. a young boy and I, like if it i guess if this movie was uh you know made exactly like the real case yeah. it would have been a totally different movie That's it's true. it's weird to think about like i think that i don't know it, it's weird it's like it, it it's would it have been as sexual if it was about a boy and if it was as Great sexual point. how would it have been different like would the violence have been less shocking is it like a boy or like is it more shocking to see a girl think about masturbating i don't know yeah it's it's interesting to think about that that not is not to be so like that. gender essentialist but well, yeah, they were at the time, you know, Yeah, they were at the time. There's a pretty weird anecdote that we ran into about casting Linda Blair, where William Friedkin apparently asked her, like, do you know what masturbating is? Uh, yeah. And they like, he, he tells it in a lot of interviews, like, it's a cute anecdote. It's very weird. <laughs> I mean, like, like she's going to be 
He yeah. was like, this is why I cast her, because she knew what masturbating yes. was. He was like, this is the only girl that's going to be able to be in She's this movie. She's down. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, Linda Blair holds this movie down. I know she's getting help through special effects mm-hmm. and makeup and the voice of, let me find, who's the voice of her? Who's the voice of the demon? Oh, Mercedes McCambridge, which is a great name, who mm-hmm. was like an old... Um, older actress and like a radio star and she provided the demon's voice she would apparently swallow raw eggs to make her voice mucusy and she started smoking cigarettes again and she was uh like a sober alcoholic who got back on the wagon for this role that's nuts to me yeah and she said that she had she was also a catholic and she like requested that priests be around her while she filmed her scenes i genuinely hope she was okay after this movie yeah because not worth it really terrible that it's she did terrible. all of that for this role and i mean it paid off for the voice to sound so fucking crazy and the weird. voice is iconic like yeah my sister and i repeat the one line all the time to each other which line fuck me <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. yeah it is iconic it yeah. is yeah it makes the movie um there's some other good special effects too uh I re- yeah, yeah. Just- I, I really liked mm-hmm. the, uh, well, I thought I was very surprised at how gross the spit was. Yes. I think I, both we of both us reacted, were yeah. extremely, re- like, re- revolted. Repulsed. It was gross. It was so gross. Like, I knew to expect Ugh. the vomit, and I was like, ew, gross. But the spit didn't expect, and I was actually the spit like, was thick. oh, ugh. It was a big... Thick loogie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember this movie being more scary the first time I saw it, but it's really kind of more repulsive. There's not a lot of, Definitely. there's like, I feel like the first act is a lot of setting up like kind of like a dreadful coalescing of doom uh, in this household. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of like very, very scary scenes, I think. The scene, uh, Father... Uh, Karis has like a dream where he sees Pazuzu's face. That was like a jump scare. That was yeah. Scary. That was like the scariest moment I think for me at least was mm-hmm. the flash of the mm-hmm. demon's face that you weren't really mom. supposed to see. Yeah, and you could only really see once you watched on VHS. I guess according to Friedkin, yeah, and it was like, dang it. Yeah, <laughs> you could pause it now. <laughs> That's so funny. And it's funny, too. He apparently, Friedkin got, like, accused of subliminal messaging in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I read an interview with him where he was like, well, like, what does that even mean? Like, it's not <laughs> subliminal. Like, I was putting it in the movie. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> like there's a demon's face yeah. <laughs> in one of the cuts. Um, he seems like a funny guy. Uh, that was pretty scary. I also thought one of the most uncomfortable scenes, maybe the most uncomfortable scene to watch is when Reagan is being subjected to all these like medical tests. Yes. And it looks real. It looks like she's really getting yeah. this. It's like an angiomy or something. Angioma, uh, where they like put a pipe of blood through her throat. Yeah. It was awful to watch. Yeah. It was really like, and it spurts out. It's, yeah. It's, it's really disturbing. It looks real. It looks like they really did that to Linda Blair somehow. I, they probably did. Right? Movie magic. It, they, well, because they, how, yeah, I, I don't think they did. But okay. Well, <laughs> they must not know. have. That's like child abuse, I feel like. Uh, yes. She did get a lot abuse. of milkshakes on set, which. 
Yeah, Good for she her. better. She they were like, better. please do this. We'll get you a milkshake after. And she's like, fine. <laughs> fine. It's so cute. She's I think she's so great in this. And I think Ellen Burstyn is all Ellen Burstyn is also <laughs> very good as the mom. Yeah. Even though it does it is like kind of a weird message overall. Yeah. That like she has to return. She's an atheist, so she has to like return to the paternal church to save her daughter. Totally. There's no daddy home. Yeah. And I guess really she could have just done it herself, though. Yeah. If she had known to be like, take me instead, which is basically just what Karis does. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He didn't, they did not exercise the demon. That's, it feels like the movie has a very like eerie ending but they kind of play it straight, actually. Like, you're thinking, like, is the demon still there? But they're just like, no, it's not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Huh. But there's a sequel. And also, oh. I was interested to find that this movie had the highest... Where is this part? It had... It was the highest grossing rated R horror film until the 2017 release of It. Holy shit. Yeah. That's nuts. It is pretty nuts. That's cool, though. I mean, it is, like, I think that this movie, this movie definitely put, like, it started a whole genre, right? And it Mm -hmm. it gave birth to so many different tropes that we see in so many different horror movies. Like, I think it was the first movie to use a Ouija board. uh, Yeah, that's so true. Which is how contacts Pazuzu in the first place. Or Mm -hmm. Captain Howdy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And just exorcism in general, I don't think would, like, we owe it all, all those movies about exorcisms to this movie. Like the Conjuring series. Absolutely. I saw this movie in the early 2000s at a sleepover called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Have you seen that movie? No. It has Tom Wilkinson in it. Oh. Um, And it's like a courtroom trial about this priest is on trial for accidentally killing a girl during an exorcism. And he's, like, trying to convince the court that, like, the exorcisms are real. Like, the, the devil is real. So, so it's, it like, not... told in flashbacks. Oh, in flashbacks. Like, okay. like, like you, like, they're in the courtroom, and then he's like, yeah, and then I did this. And, like, I was they like, flash is to it the girl. Just, is it a courtroom drama masquerading as a horror movie, and there's actually no exorcism in it? It's literally just a I haven't room. seen it in so long, but I would be interested to... I remember being so scared Aww. by it, too, at the sleepover I was at. Uh yeah. Yeah. Sounds scary. Pivotal moment in young girls' lives. <laughs> Getting too f- caught up at a sleepover to call your dad to go home. Oh. Um, I mean, about the effects, just really quick again, I do think yeah. that it's just so impressive to think that all of it was practical. Yes. And it seems so, it seems so hard, but it also just seems really fun. <laughs> it does. Like, uh, and... It is, I think in some one interview or something that we re- read, s- described it as like a magic trick. And it really does feel yeah. like that, um, yeah. which I think is a really great way to describe practical effects, which so I hadn't true. really thought about before. But it does seem more magical than uh, like CGI and digital effects these days, I would say. Um yeah, absolutely. Like all the stuff they do with Reagan on the bed has yeah. like a practical explanation. Even like 
when Reagan turns her head all the way around, it's like a dummy mm-hmm. that they have made, like have a pump in it. So the dummy is breathing and looking realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, we've said it a million times on this show, but like that texture and that like physicality in a scene, like can't be replicated with CGI pretty much ever. Yeah. Um, maybe this is our oldies, but goodies classic or sta- like traditional effects series. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause because our next episode, yeah, our next episode is gonna get real into that. So. Yeah, um, I also really liked. I read that Friedkin was like obsessive about the light in the bedroom where much of the movie takes place, mm. and he like didn't want to do any added lights. He was like, all the light has to be like from a source you can explain. So like Reagan's lamps, mm. and so like in one scene she like knocks a lamp over and then they were like, well, we got to film this scene with the lamp on the ground, and that's the only source of light. Whoa, yeah, that's so cool. I, I thought that, like, yeah, that really, like, you were really there in the room. Uh, it's, like, you, you just felt like it was stinky in there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't see anything. Yeah. Ew, yeah. Just pea soup everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we have anything else we want to cover before we, like, wrap up and read this crazy review? I think that's it. I think we covered it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do it. Okay, cool. So I pulled in two reviews. I can read this first This first one. Okay, This sure. one's from IMDb. Um, and I, it's kind of long, so I'll try to be quick. It's a one-star review. Is The Exorcist scary? Not very. Is it shocking? Yes. But so what? Anybody can shock you by having a little girl grab a psychiatrist in the private parts and then show a close-up camera shot of the man's face as he writhes in agony or doing unmentionable things with a crucifix or swearing about Jesus. Does it make any sense? Not really. Why would the devil enter the body of a little girl who is then strapped to a bed and has holy water thrown on her to torture her? If I was the devil, I'd enter the body of someone with more power or the son slash daughter of someone with power, not the teenage girl of some old movie actress, and I would hope they'd make a better movie about my possession than this one. If someone's head rotated 360 degrees, then they would be dead. Which, you know, it's funny is I saw that comment many times. The thing about the 300, like people would be like, if her head did that, she would be dead. It's like a demon is possessing her. (laughs) What? That's so funny. There's a demon in this movie. (laughs) And, you know, part of it, some of it doesn't make sense. And that's okay. We like it. It's a horror movie. Yeah. It's like, come on, people. <laughs> so I love that this guy was like, this demon's not thinking at all. Yeah. Why don't you possess the son of the president? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the second <laughs> review is from Reddit, the subreddit Catholicism. Which was a crazy place to hang out for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's... The review is titled, The Exorcist is a great pro-Catholic movie. I love how the priests are all depicted as super smart scientists and psychologists respected in their community and hanging out in the intellectual and artistic circles. I like how the movie portrays Catholicism as being true within the movie's universe. It isn't very scary, at least in my opinion, but the movie itself, story, acting, directing are all top-notch. Yeah, people loved this movie and our Catholicism. <laughs> Even though they were like, it's not very realistic. <laughs> oh 
man. then I was like, you know how like when you go into a Reddit thread, they like show you other parts of the like I don't know what I'm talking about, but they'll show you like other discussions happening. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, there was like pro life ones in this one, and I was yeah. like, ah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wonder how crazy. they feel. Is is what about Pazuzu? Is 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 Pazuzu yeah. a life? Do they care That's about? That's so true. Pazuzu? He was aborted in this, <laughs> at the end of this film. <laughs> he could have gone on to cure cancer with Reagan's body. We don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mackenzie, what are your final thoughts and reading of The Exorcist? Um. I really liked it. I'm trying to remember what I rated Dracula because I liked mm. Dracula more. I don't know if we did. Did we rate Dracula? We might have forgotten to rate it. I, I can't we, remember. Maybe I think we did. We did. I okay. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna rate The Exorcist a seven, even though I think I might have rated Dracula a seven. Okay. Maybe a six and a half. Maybe a six and a half. I guess. I hate that. I always feel like I'm just saying what you say, but <laughs> I feel like it's a seven. It. it I was like more like affected by the emotional beats this viewing. Like I thought Ellen Burstyn's performance mm-hmm. was really good. It does feel almost like it's kind of like abruptly over. Mm-hmm. Like the exorcism scenes kind of are only like a, there's only like one real scene with father Marin yeah. and father Karis. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. There is also the part with the cop. There's a plot about, oh, a, we a, forgot about that altogether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's like a side plot where the director mm-hmm. of the movie that the mob is starring in is killed by falling downstairs the cop and is because and i were so confused about the location of the stairs <laughs> while watching we were like how did this guy <laughs> what write in if you know where the stairs were just kidding yeah, you, they were outside the, the window it. apparently yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know how we missed that um, I'll give this movie a seven and a half too. I really did enjoy it, and I do think it is very effective, very scary, and like truly a classic and great movie that I think a lot of modern horror movies could borrow more from. I feel like they borrow some of the wrong things from this. Maybe I totally but. agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it like launched a lot of imitations, but yes, um, people tried to improve upon like the effects when that could have actually been learned from i guess Mm -hmm. and also like get fucking freaky with your movies like yeah i want to see up the ante yeah like people like nowadays stabbing their vagina with a cross and i want to see a (laughs) giant loogie that looks so real (laughs) i recoil yeah (laughs) not cgi give us what the people want yeah (laughs) uh wow Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. Stay tuned for our next episode where we will cover an American werewolf in London. Uh, woo. Uh, you can follow Chick Flicks on Instagram and Twitter at Chick Flicks Pod and email us at chickflickspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.